Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you can be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com slash free. This segment of our podcast is called The Check-In, where we both update you guys on where we've been traveling and life updates in 60 seconds or less before we get into the episode. Hey everyone, it's Janelle here and welcome back to Melanin and Miles. This week we're doing another interview with a friend of mine named Grace and she's going to tell us a little bit about her travel story and where she's from and how she really got into travel. Hey, Grace. <laughs> Hi, Janelle. So first, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Um, explain your name, where you're from, and how your education and work background has tied in with travel. So my name is Grace. I'm originally from the Congo in Central Africa. And um, my education, I went to school for political science, uh, both at Portland Community College and Portland State University. And I currently work as a uh, account manager for a software company. So it's tied in with, uh, I work in sales right now. So totally unrelated to what I went to school for. Just, you know, graduating and finding a job in, in America is really tough. So I took uh a job in sales and I just found out that I was really great at it and I love it so yeah cool so (laughs) all right so what actually sparked your interest in travel what made you want to leave the Congo so I left the Congo to the U.S. to come here for school honestly wasn't my choice as I was um low-key I'm not gonna say forced into it but my parents were like you're going to America so as an African kid, I was 19 years old. I had no choice or stay in me coming to America. And that's how I ended up here in Portland, Oregon. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so then, but the U.S. is not the only place that you lived. You were also in Belgium for some time. I don't know if it was like years, months. Explain that whole situation. <laughs> yeah. So I did live in Europe uh, for a few years. I want to say seven years ish yeah so I had moved there when I was probably seven or eight till I was 17 so whatever the math is maybe 10 who knows yeah (laughs) so yeah I moved there um for family reasons um my 
uh, my mom had passed away when I was a kid and um there's my mom's sister that was living in Belgium and we just they just saw it fit that I, the environment would be better for me to go there just because she had kids that were closer in age to me and since I was the youngest uh for my siblings that's how I ended up um moving to Belgium and then when I got to Belgium I lived in Brussels for one year and then we moved to the uh to a different state well a different province in Belgium and it's called a small town village called later and yeah we're the only black people in the town <laughs> so it was a shock seeing people yeah. white people seeing black people so it was a whole mess but it was interesting no, I could definitely see how that would be a culture shock. <laughs> oh, yeah, living in. But I guess in comparison to the Congo, how do you feel like, do you feel like you enjoy living in Belgium more or would you rather like go back home and stay in the Congo? Um, It's a 50-50 thing because it's just one of those things where like I felt, I feel in the Congo at home but because I spent my most important years in Belgium like building uh, my elementary school most of my high school I was there so the years were like I develop into being the woman that I am I guess now mm-hmm. so it's a it's very split there's some some things that I love about Belgium that I don't like about the Congo and vice versa but mm-hmm. yeah okay mm-hmm. that makes sense and then coming back to the U.S., I guess you said you came here for school. Um, that's like an expensive thing to do, to do, I feel like. So were there like any like funding opportunities or scholarships that they promoted to you that like you would recommend like other international students look at for coming here? Um, that it really depends. I'm not really knowledgeable with the scholarship thing because I was fortunate enough to have my parents sponsor me with my schooling for the most part Mm -hmm. but uh in school I think there's always opportunities I think one thing that I always that I didn't necessarily do my diligence on just because when you come here like first I came to the U.S. I spoke barely English right Mm -hmm. so you get here the one focus you want to know is learning English so you don't have a lot a lot of resources that show you like the schools for the most part they just want you to have integrated so you can go to school and pay tuition most of the time they don't care enough to provide you with the resources as far like research on doing scholarships or to have you find your way because one Portland is a very at least at the time that I moved we don't have a huge black community here let alone an African community and when you go to school there is this culture shock people just they you can't explain there's a language barrier so yeah doing asking questions that's something that I I would recommend don't be afraid to ask Mm -hmm. because one thing about I think that I love about America when you do ask there's always someone willing to direct you to the to, to the direction that you need to go or do your research google is like I think your best your best friend you can always find scholarships uh for international students so yeah I don't know the website but I'm sure there's plenty yeah. of resources on there there's something somebody can look up so I guess going into not there not being a lot of black people let alone African people in Oregon why did you end up in Oregon like was that a choice or did it just happen to work out oh (laughs) definitely not a choice definitely not a choice like I said when I came here I didn't know where I was going we just had um well close family members so like my brother Mm family-in-law lived here 
So that's how I ended up here. The goal was for me to come to Portland, go to the community college, like once I'm set with my English and have some classes and move to where, uh, whichever place that I wanted to be in. Eight years later, I'm still here. Finally, about to leave. <laughs> but um, it was really interesting because when I came to Portland first, I never heard of it. The funny mm-hmm. thing is, when I did the research, they told me you're going to America. Great, you're going to Portland. So when I pulled up the map, I saw Portland, but I, did, I thought it was Portland, Maine. So I was like, okay, oh. never heard of it, but it's closer <laughs> to New York. It's close. Yeah. So I was really excited. And then when we land to Washington D.C. with my calculation, I was like, well, probably two hours more <laughs> flight to go. Five and then hours. the person that I came with was like, no, 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 it's the other uh, Portland. You <laughs> still had five hours. I was like, what? Five hours? Then I pull up the map on Google, and then I'm like, oh, there is another Portland. I never heard of it except from what's the name of the movie are we there yet yeah so it's later that it clicks that the movie was actually was happening in Portland so that's the only exposure that I've had to Portland without knowing and then when I came to Portland I got here in December and people that know the Pacific Northwest it rains a lot here so for a month straight my first month it rained every single day and I was like, I called my family. I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I'm going to come back. And my, they were like, you know, give it one more month. And if you don't like it, then we'll figure it out. And then I just like, I used to it. No, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's rough. <laughs> Especially if you think you're going to the East Coast oh. and end up on the West. I would have been very upset. <laughs> Not going to lie. I was like, what is this place? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a stressful situation. Um, But I guess since being here... I don't know. Like, I feel like before people come to America, they always have this perspective of the American dream. And it seems like something really cool to look at, something cool to achieve. Um, it has like pretty, you have high expectations for it mm-hmm. before you get here. And then you get here and you're like, oh. <laughs> so, so how do you feel like your perspective of the American dream has changed since being here? Especially how long has it been? Eight years, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I will not recommend, you know, total scam the American dream. So anyways, (laughs) but uh, it's changing the fact that when I came here, I was, I think I was really naive Mm -hmm. because the, the, the way, at least from my experience, we see in America as Hollywood and everything is great and everything is big and you come here and, and you'd be able to do anything. And I remember the first day at school when we had orientation, there was um, the director, international student, whatever, whatever. And he made this point. He was like, well, in America is a country where you can come here with zero and become a millionaire after one year, or you can become, you can he- come here with much and lose everything after one year. Mm-hmm. So I guess I get what he was trying to say, but the saying that you can become a millionaire after one year is saying that if you work hard enough, it's going to happen, but it really isn't like as, you know, as it's it's very it's not as easy as I think sometimes they talk they about. Seem, they make yeah. it seem right. So one, yes, you work hard enough, but then you realize I'm a person. I'm a black woman, right? I've always knew I was black, but I've never walked around thinking that I was and a I'm, black person, yeah. right? Until I went to Belgium, but then that was a different degree. But then when I came in America, you realize that there is such a racial divide. That yeah. like, oh my gosh, there is black people and there is this. And in my case. I was living with a host family mm-hmm. and they were great. They were amazing, but they were super Republicans, one, oh. super Christian, two. So 
you get there and they're like, oh, the first thing she have after, I think it, after three days, she's like, oh, you're so different. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, African black people are different than American black people. And I, for me, I was like, what are you, <laughs> you know, what? I didn't get what she was trying to say. Yeah. But then what now being here and what time that I see that they just, there's this divide that's created yeah. and you, you, I think they want to, in a way, whatever the way the system is set up is to try to keep people as divided as possible. Yeah. So navigating through that definitely was was um, a, challenge. A, a challenge. So the American dream for me, I think it's a myth. America is a country just as as another. They just are. I think here they're so the system is built to where they can sell a dream. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you have a house that's really messed up, but they paint it so well that on the outside, it looks so perfect and it attracts it, it, it attracts everyone. But then when you get in, then you, you're going to find the doors are messed up and whatever, the toilets are not working. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, it's a great land, great opportunities. Cause yes, it has done so many for my life and just allowing me to dream or even just to pursue like, my whether it's school or being able to like work and switch from job to job even Mm -hmm. though it's tough sometimes at least you can find whether it's a minimum wage you can switch from one thing to another so in that case yes but it's not as simple as pink or (laughs) simple yeah okay yeah that's that's interesting it's interesting also with the host family thing you said because I'm wondering now like I wonder what type of qualifications you have to get through to be in like an approved host family or can really just anybody I think I think I think anybody can be a host family yeah. I don't I don't want to talk too much but I don't even <laughs> think they will register like that because it's not uh, like we had any paperwork yeah when I lived there it's not like I had to sign any paperwork for yeah. me to stay there so yeah there are people that are willing to host people but then again it's still a business transaction yeah. if i'm not paying my rent they're not going to keep me in their house so like you know we we created a bond that's yeah. the family till this day we have a great bond with my host parents however it's still a business transaction yeah. and that is america everything here is a business transaction that's yeah mm-hmm. all righty that's because you would think there would be some type of training, but I guess I guess there doesn't have to be. <laughs> if you if you get paid, you get paid, yeah. whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, so now I'm gonna switch the conversation a bit into more like your professional life. I know you said you were in sales, but you also have a small business. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um outside of my regular day job nine to five, I have a uh I just started I think in August. Yeah, not I think August first, 2020, I launched my online uh, business. So it's like a lingerie slash beauty uh beauty store. <laughs> and it's still really well in the beginning, you know, but I'm still trying to find my way and make it uh and make it work. Yeah. And so I guess kind of like running that like the beauty of it is that like you know your store is virtual (laughs) it's online so even with like covid and traveling and stuff you're still kind of able to run it and do what you need to do so I guess what would be like the biggest challenges I would say of like I guess having a virtual business especially like everything that's been going on recently Mm -hmm. so the biggest challenge I think because a lot of my stuff that like the manufacturers that I have to work with are in China, for example, mm-hmm. right? And the processing times just take a little bit longer. Yeah. Like, I think when I had started at the time, it was, 
you know, like if I, when I have to order stuff, it takes longer to ship here. And the process of me shipping it back, if I'm not quali- if I'm not satisfied with the product. So I think that that's a very big challenge. And also being able to have like outside of, there, there's some like logistic things, but mm-hmm. like the dream would for me to be able to just go yeah physically in china for example yeah, and see it, see, it, see it myself so i think that's where um biggest. the biggest challenge is but we're hoping that when things um with the whole covid restrictions when things loosen up a little bit that it'll be possible hopefully yeah by fazila by the way on instagram and by fazila.com <laughs> i'll link it in the show notes so y'all can find it easily you'll see the website her instagram and everything it's nice stuff i'm gonna order some. um so i think we're going to start to wrap up the podcast and i'm just going to end off with just some tips for you guys listening so if any i know we get a lot of listeners from all over the world not just the u.s so for anyone that's looking at becoming like an international student in the u.s what advice would you give them just to kind of like prepare especially if like english is not their first language um one thing i think that's very helpful even before you get here i know english is tough but try to be exposed to the language as much as, as possible whether it's with music or with tv or reading books whatever way whichever way you can be exposed to it i know th- something that helped me was tv and music but that's just because those are my interests so whichever interest that you have try to do it in english but also do your research like um it's it's always nice to know where you're going like if you're going to a certain town try to know what's happening there because great you're gonna get you're gonna find out about that place but just do your research and don't be afraid to ask um don't be afraid to ask questions also don't be afraid to fail that's definitely normal because there's things you're not going to be able to do you're going to get lost you're sometimes going to be uh you know straight away from your track or get lost lose track a little bit but that's okay as long as you pick yourself up and keep going and yeah it's a lot of distractions here so yeah (laughs) stay focused too yeah and then my final question we ask it in every interview and it's why do you think black women should travel um man i think it's for, there's a lot of reasons but I think the exposure and it also opens your mind I think from the experience that I have whether it was traveling to the continents like whether Africa Europe or here or just in the United States like to the different cities that I have been it just opens your mind to different um, different aspects of life and different cultures so you know you become you understand people better mm-hmm. and and it just I don't know it's life is I don't know how you say it in English. Like, enriches your life. Like, <laughs> you gain more than you will. And one suggestion to to black women: don't be afraid. Obviously, you have to be safe, but don't be afraid to to do it. Get out there, yeah. yeah. Don't wait till. Well, I'm gonna wait until I have one friend because I know sometimes it's really tough. Yeah. And one anecdote that I have a couple of years ago because it was something like every time I plan trips with my friends it never happened so I was like you know what I'm gonna do it (laughs) I I started just planning every three months ish I created a mood board of the places that I wanted to go Mm -hmm. I was like I'm gonna save my money and every three months I'm gonna go like somewhere yeah so I'll just save my money and then I just started visiting city cities by myself around the U.S. and some 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 places I had friends and some places I would just go by myself and just don't tell people that you're going by yourself (laughs) yeah the world is a mean place yeah yeah don't be afraid to travel yeah very true I feel like 
the more you just like hold yourself to that, like, I'm gonna wait to find somebody, I'm gonna wait to do this, you'll end up never going. <laughs> you'll just be stuck home, keep adding things to your list. You just gotta buy the ticket and go sometimes. Just do it. And even it's a getaway, because I know sometimes financially things get stuck. Like, if you can travel with the plane, do it around where you are. Take mm-hmm. a weekend, go to the beach or to the mountain or whatever near the city that's close to you. And I think that slowly opens like, because I think when you're, when you step out from your comfort zone, whether it's your town or your home or your neighborhood, because mm-hmm. it's easy to get stuck in a routine, work, school, home, work, yeah. school, home or whatever. Just try to take a weekend and yeah, really refreshing. Definitely. Thank you so much, Grace, for this. I love this interview. So once again, I'm going to link her Instagram and website in the show notes. So make sure you guys check it out. Thank you so much for having me.